0: consulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
1: Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today uh, with Bob Brisk of Staples, and Bob is the uh, National Sales Manager for Safety uh, at Staples. Thanks for joining us today, Bob. Uh, It's my pleasure. Uh, Before we get started, I thought I'd let our listeners know uh, what's coming up. Next week, we have a really interesting show with uh, an author named Andrew Thorne, who's written a book on leadership and leadership's legacies. Uh, That's uh, next Friday, uh, the 29th of August. Uh, September 5th, we have uh, John Logan from Gemini spaghetti. And you'll argue with me that I mispronounced it. It's French. Uh, They're a French IT software consulting firm. And in your IT family, on the following week, uh, September 12th, going to have uh, the CEO of Intelligrated, uh, Chris Cole. And uh, later on, in third of October, we're going to have Richard Lajeunesse, who is the uh, president of the Cincinnati Rotary Club. Okay. Other things coming up in, uh, in the world of family here in Cincinnati. September 10th, that's Wednesday, we're going to have another one of our Business Builder Series programs. This one's going to be at the Banion. Country Club, uh, out in, uh, Loveland. It's, uh, we're gonna have lunch from 11.30 to 12, and from, uh, 12 to 2, we're gonna run the program, and the program is gonna be called The Dirty Dozen. The 12 Fatal Mistakes That Most Sales People Make, uh, the LeFondo Manhattan failed to close the deal. Uh, this is a, a great program, you know, for, uh, President's Club members. The cost is $17 for lunch. For everyone else, it's, uh, $25 you can call Brittany at 513-753-9400, extension 106, and she'd be glad to make email or reservation in if you're listening On uh, Business Hour, you can call, uh, send your email to Brittany.Robinson at net. Okay, we have a, uh, another program that's coming up uh, in November. This is the uh, three-hour leadership course. Uh, that we're bringing uh, Dave Osh in to teach. It's called Transforming Leaders the Sandler Way. And people who attend that program will get a graphic guide to the 52 critical leadership lessons and the Sandler coaching principles to support uh, great leaders and great teams. Uh, This program uh, has an early registration of uh, $175 a person and $150 per person for a team. One of the great things coming up here at Sandler is... uh, in November, we have a cold call camp. People will make a lot of cold calls and want other people to return their, uh, their calls. Uh, Bob? Yes. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background? How did, how did you get to be the national sales manager for safety for a company like Staples?
2: Uh, my first reaction would be it was a piece of good luck. Uh, quite frankly, Staples was a... Uh, I've had a... Um, long uh, experience in the, in the industrial and safety market, uh, from everything from pandemic preparedness to uh, still clean up and response. Uh, Staples was actually a customer of mine, and uh, a few years ago, they Staples decided, uh, as they were expanding into different areas, they decided to, to increase their initiative into the safety First aid and the emergency preparedness area, and asked me to join them, and I gratefully accepted. And we've grown uh, the safety division from there. Mm-hmm. So, so, so uh, uh, this is for more than the
1: safety of the employees and customers at a Staples location. This is a service that, you, that Staples sells to clients.
2: Yes, I am. Uh, I'm completely separate from our own internal. Uh, safety personnel. I run the division that, or I shouldn't say run. I am, I'm involved in the division that sells these products to our customers and to consumers, uh, you know, throughout the country. Mm-hmm. This
1: month coming up, uh, September is emergency preparedness month. Uh, what does that mean for businesses, Bob?
2: What it really is is a, is a good time. Um, the government and several safety organizations set that aside as a good time for businesses to stop and reflect uh, on their planning, on their preparedness, uh, and, and just put a real focus nationally on preparedness, both for individuals, for families, and for businesses, both large and small. So it's it's just a month where you know we highlight preparedness throughout the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Staples has done a. Uh or your department of Staples has done a safety survey uh, for companies uh, here in the Midwest, including Cincinnati and Columbus, where most of our listeners are. Uh, What kind of results did you see in the survey that merit discussion?
2: Well, I think the thing that that jumps out uh, across the board in most of the answers is that the vast majority of employees don't believe that their employer has a plan or at least a satisfactory plan in place to deal with uh, emergencies, whether those emergencies be natural disasters or man-made incidents, uh, they're not comfortable with the amount of planning that their employer has done to date. Um, And one in four employees in the Midwest area don't even feel that their business has a plan. Um, That usually is found not to be the case. Usually the employer has a plan, it's just not uh, – it hasn't been publicized or communicated enough to the employee uh, for them to understand it. And, and that's a big problem because you can have a plan, but if people don't understand how it, how it works and how to put it in effect, then it's no better than not having a plan at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what should a business have in their emergency uh, or disaster plan?
2: Really, that depends on the business. Uh, you know, one of the one of the, the the best things about a plan is when people sit down to, to to tackle this problem, they realize that it's not all that difficult to do, and quite frankly, it just takes common sense and the knowledge of of your employees, your situation, your location, um, and how to deal with the different things. Actually, it takes more imagination than anything else. The idea is that you need to have certain products, of course. Uh, but those are pretty universal for any type of disaster. So whether you were dealing with a, um, a tornado or an earthquake, not many hurricanes in your particular area, but or a man-made disaster, the products... Should... We did have a
1: hurricane through here a few years ago, a dry hurricane.
2: Okay. The water
1: okay. power was disrupted.
2: So really, to, to answer your question, the products needed um, really revolve around the absolute essentials. You're going to need water you're going to need lighting, and you're going to need means of communication. Uh, flip that over for wintertime, you're going to need some some uh, products that are going to provide you warmth. Um, by communication, I what I think is something that we usually overlook is the fact that we all carry cell phones, but they don't last very long, especially when you're calling around to all your relatives and, and family and other people to let them know you're safe or that you need help. Those tend to to, to uh, run out of charge very quickly. So my view now, in addition to water, right up there with water and lighting, you should have a crank-powered cell phone charger so that you don't have to rely on batteries, you don't have to rely on electrical power, you don't have to rely on your car. You can simply plug this into a charger that you can keep, anybody can keep in the briefcase or their purse, and you crank it, and it actually recharges your phone. So you don't necessarily have to crank it while you're on the phone. You can crank it, and it will recharge your phone. And I think lighting, water, and, and means to maintain communications are probably three of the most important things that any plant mm-hmm. should have.
1: So does Staples sell a, a crank-operated cell phone charger? We, we do. Did. Did a, a f- does it generate like 115 volts, and you plug your regular charger into it? It plugs you plug directly your
2: into your phone, whether it be a 4G or a 5G or a standard, uh, maybe an older model flip phone. Uh, these chargers come with different adapter cords in the package, so you plug your phone directly into it, and you don't need anything else. You just turn the crank, and it, and it charges your phone. Uh, hmm. Staples has all the products um, to allow any business, large or small, or a private home or residence to prepare for emergencies, whether you're talking about water or communication or lighting or emergency food or blankets, emergency blankets, uh, or complete kits, uh, not only custom kits, I'm sorry, not only stock kits, but also custom kits. Because, again, what one business or residence requires uh, might be duplication or repetitive for another business. So Staples works very hard, and our safety specialists around the country work very hard not to make a business try to force a round peg into a square hole for their preparedness. Uh, we work with them individually to find out what it is they have in their plan, and then we adapt the products that we supply them or package for them to meet their specific needs. So does Staples
1: uh, provide the service of uh, helping write an emergency preparedness plan for a business? We do not.
2: Um, We feel that's best left to uh, planning experts, but there's plenty of uh, information and advice available free of charge on websites. For example, uh, FEMA, FEMA. FEMA FEMA.gov has has great websites and information, and there's also a website put up by the uh, federal government called ready.gov, which gives you not only all the information you would need, but also templates. That you can just fill in uh, to come up with the products that you would need or the, or the uh, uh, the strategy you would need to, for your plan. The biggest thing about your plan is as I mentioned earlier, it's not just merely enough to have a plan. you have to have the pro- the products in your possession to support your plan, and you also need to communicate and practice your plan. Um, I do work with corporations all the time, and just like we find every year in our, in our different surveys that we do business surveys, we find that, you know, one part of, the, one part of a corporation or business is saying, oh, yes, we've got, we've got tremendous planning, we've got great planning, and, but the people that would need to be involved in that evacuation or uh, whatever it would be have no idea what it is because it's never been practiced or perhaps it's never been rehearsed yeah you you need to rehearse it and make sure that it's made important enough by the upper echelon of that business that everybody realizes that they need to participate in that practice that's not the day that's not the day to to find a way to get out of the office that you need to make sure that you're there so you understand it because it's always the people that don't understand that plan that end up getting in trouble. California and in, high-rise
1: in businesses in
2: California, you know, you have
1: to have a full fire marshal and a safety evacuation plan for uh, everyone in the building. Uh, what's the difference between the emergency plans that a small business should have and a large business?
2: The basics are all the same. The, the, the requirements of the employees are going to be the same, whether you work for a large business or a small business. Obviously, it it's, uh, takes a great deal more planning for a large business to, to coordinate the logistics to get people out of a building or where they're going to gather or, or remove them safely from a particular area, but the, but the basics are the same. Uh, you know, the, the planning, uh, the preparation, and the practicing need to be done for both a big and a small business. One of the things that's often uh, overlooked, very unfortunately, is that employers have to make sure that they take all their employees' needs and potentially special uh, needs into consideration when they're putting together their plan. If, you're on, uh, if you've got a disabled employee, for an example, For someone that's confined to a wheelchair, you simply can't say and and include them, everyone must evacuate the building immediately. Well, because normally you're not going to be able to use the elevator, so let's just take an example. If you're on the 10th floor or 15th floor, you need to have prepared and practiced how to get that person down the stairs safely, quickly and safely. And there are products, again, that Staples would have available that can help you do that. But those are the types of things... That need to be taken into consideration, and those are the mm. types of things that go back to what I said earlier. You need to use your imagination a little bit to think. Okay, what what possible things could go wrong, and and get and get them all in line.
1: Good. And Bob has agreed to answer questions from callers. The caller number today is six four six five nine five four nine one six. We're going to uh, listen to.
3: Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow or will your fate? be you like the turkeys. If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting. 513-646-6523. Or check our website at
1: RothConsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Bob Risch from Staples. Uh, Bob, yeah. uh, is it a legal requirement uh, from our government that every business have a emergency preparedness plan? Uh,
2: it is not. It's, um, it's strongly recommended, uh, but there are no actual requirements like there are with a lot of other things, like you must have first aid kits. Many businesses must have uh, defibrillators in place. But the emergency preparedness is kind of up to the good sense of the employer. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, What kind of stuff, products should a average business have or should every business have in their emergency preparedness case?
2: Um, Again, I would recommend that you have emergency water. And by emergency water, I don't mean just bottles of water. That's a great start. um, But bottles of water need to be have a relatively short shelf life. Uh, Emergency water has a five year shelf life. They come in aluminum type envelopes or packets. And then you can put it in storage and and you don't have to worry about it for five years. Um, First aid kits need to be in there. Uh, Someplace within your business you should have an AED or a defibrillator. Um, Chances for those types of problems increase when there's an emergency going on and the last thing you want to do is not be prepared to deal with the situation in the middle of an evacuation. Mylar blankets or emergency blankets are very small and very light, but they they hold eighty three percent of somebody's body uh, heat when they're wrapped in them. So they don't take up much space, but in the winter time, they're great to have and really a requirement if you if you have to get all your people outside in the winter. Normally, they're going to take off, and many people are going to leave without coats, etc. Um, we talked about the uh, the communication, the cell phone chargers. Lighting is also very important. And what is lighting? Um, right. both both flashlights and also I like to light sticks in every emergency kit with a lanyard so people can wear them around their neck. So you don't have to worry about holding them. Uh, also, when you're going down staircases, you can swing them around and wear them on your back so the people behind you can see. You know, if, if you've ever practiced or been in one of these conga lines, where you hold on to each other and you go down the stairs and dark stairs. The first five or ten people are great because they've got the flashlight at the front of the line, maybe even mm-hmm. the flashlight at the back of the line. It's the people in the middle that are having trouble bouncing around because they can't see. Well, a, a very inexpensive light stick being worn around your neck keeps your hands free and allows everybody to kind of see. So, um, What's, the light those are the the What's the that?
1: Light a lifespan oh. stick or a, a chemical light light stick.
2: Most of these products have uh, that I'm discussing here either have no shelf life or shelf life in excess of three years. So my my view is that you should have a kit that you can put into storage and really not have to worry about it for three or four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there there a, a difference in the amount of supplies that a kit should have based on the size of the business?
2: Yes, and also the amount of supplies you should have based on what that particular company wants to accomplish. Um, some companies we deal with want to get their people out of the building in case of an emergency, and then they're on their own. There's other companies that want to not only have the product the people get out of the building, but they want to have enough products available to their people to support them in their needs for I've seen some companies up to two days because they feel that there might there might be some involvement and requirements for shelter in place where you can't leave. Maybe you need to get out of the building or maybe there's there's some some emergency some businesses prepare for not being able to leave your building. So their emergency preparedness revolves around not only the things we've mentioned and evacuation products but also products that are gonna allow them to stay there as comfortably as possible. Things like uh Personal hygiene products, uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, cots, uh, disposable sleeping bags, pillows—those types of things. So, again, it, it all goes back to what the company itself is trying to accomplish, What's and the they the only company? only they know what they really need to, to do.
1: What would the difference be between uh, a school or a college environment uh, and a business environment?
2: The the biggest difference, as far as products go, there is very little difference. Again, regardless of the type of emergency, the basic human requirements are the same. But in a school, and Staples has been supplying a lot of products to schools, things like emergency kits, classroom lockdown kits, we've been doing a lot of that, you still have to go back and look at the what the individual school is trying to uh, accomplish, but in a school, not only is it going to really be for a temporary situation? But the chances are it's going to be a lockdown emergency kit rather than an evacuation lockdown uh, evacuation kit. What would be in a,
1: a lockdown kit? That's different.
2: The biggest difference is, um, as, as you can well imagine, with a group of with a group of kids being forced to lock into a classroom for two, three, potentially four hours, you need to have emergency bathroom facilities. And, again, Staples has these products. Matter of fact, in many cases, uh, the rest of the kit is packed into uh, a one-time, well, one-time meaning one incident use uh, bathroom facility that can be used for all the kids uh, as, as needed during the, during the time they're locked in there. Um, it, it makes the teacher's job far more difficult if she doesn't have the types of things to keep their kids calm uh, th- that are required that may not be needed when you're working with adults in a business.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, mm-hmm. uh, adults tend to deal with some things uh, like needing to go to the bathroom better than a, a third or fourth grader might. So in, in the classroom kits, you need some additional products that you may not need uh, in, in a company situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. If someone wanted to get the the information for a... Uh, a college building or a or, or school building, there are there special uh, websites that you should go to for that?
2: Um, there are. Uh, you can certainly contact your, your local school system or go on any of the educational websites that are available throughout the country. Again, uh, I mentioned FEMA before, the FEMA.gov website and the ready.gov website. Both of those have specific categories on their websites dealing with schools and particular types of uh, companies or organizations. Uh, Probably in schools, the other thing I would say is because you're dealing with young people, um, I think the practice and the preparedness are even more important, and the repetition is even more important. Where a company might be able to do something once or twice a year, schools need to do that far more often to make sure that everybody really grasps what they need to do, where they need to be, and how they need to behave. Um, that's very, very important with schools because you need, with that many people and that many children, you need to keep everybody as calm as possible. And the way to keep people calm is to have them doing things that they've done in the past.
1: It's mm-hmm. like practicing a fire drill.
2: Exactly right. It's like practicing you know, emergency. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you've practiced your fire drill half a dozen times, then if by uh, some misfortune they have to really have a real live fire drill, well, okay, that's kind of old hat. We've already done that, uh, you know, half a dozen times. So I understand so, what I need to do and how I need to behave. Right, right.
1: Um, if someone wanted to uh, to contact you or someone at Staples for uh, additional information about the products that you have available, how would they do that?
2: They could certainly contact uh, any of the products that we're, we've talked about are available at staples.com, or if anybody already has an existing contract with Staples, they're on staplesadvantage.com, or you can contact me directly at bob.risk at staples.com. And as mm-hmm. I said, we have, uh, we have specialists throughout the country uh, that can work with any business or any school system um, uh, with, with with geographical coverage across the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever worked out the, uh, the cost per employee or classroom for uh, the appropriate safety uh, equipment and plans? I have
2: I have not because it's it it, it differs so dramatically. Uh, I could probably tell you uh, far more what the what the cost is of not having the kits in place. You know, uh, statistics and numbers are much more readily available. For the accidents that happen when people aren't prepared. To give you a little bit Let's example. take that up.
1: Uh, let's take that up and start there. Uh, after the next commercial break, we're going to listen to what Jimmy Fox talked about. Tip. The next Tip Club meeting will be in about uh, four weeks. It's the third Thursday of the month, from 7:30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Jimmy, take it away.
4: I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipsclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event.
1: Staples, we're talking about uh, safety equipment. Uh, Bob, do you remember the last question? Or were going to pick up?
2: Uh, yes, the cost of accidents on the job site.
1: Right, right. What's the, the inverse, the, the cost of not having the appropriate supplies uh, on site?
2: Dramatic. Uh, the number one, every year, the number one cause of accidents on the job site are slips and falls. Slips and falls on the same level, so not from a higher elevation down to the ground, but on the same level. And the average cost for a slip-and-fall mistimed accident is just, a, just in excess of $20,000. And there are 25,000 accidents of that caliber in the workplace in the United States every day. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty dramatic cost to businesses not to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. in slips and falls alone, you're, na- you're dealing with nine million accidents a year that cost each one being over twenty thousand um, dollars. Right up there among them are, are eye injuries. Uh, it's, it's amazing to think that with all the protection that we have available, in 2014 there's still over four thousand eye injuries on the job site every day. And most of these, to be honest with you, are are not because the protection products aren't available, but because people don't use them. Um, So the the cost for not being prepared, whether for everyday safety or for preparedness, are dramatic. One of the other things that people forget about when they're talking about preparedness is to prepare as a company or as a family for what's going to come after the incident, so the recovery portion. Um, if you don't think about the accident or the incident or, or the event, you certainly aren't going to think about what to do in the recovery. And what business owners need to realize is that their employees count on that business for their income. And while everybody can be uh, have a, some sort of an incident, uh, nobody can stop a tornado or nobody can stop an earthquake, uh, but that business needs to get back and get up and running as quickly as possible, and that should be a big part of preparedness as well.
1: I suppose there are Staples products that you sell to uh, help businesses get back up on their feet after a disaster.
2: Um, <clears throat> there are. We do. We do have some recovery products, uh, mostly in the smaller sense. Uh, you know, things like for equipment and vacuums and, 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 and clean up equipment and disinfectants and cleaning products. We have, we have all those types of things. Uh, but we also deal with, uh, we also supply many more of those products to people that are restoration experts, and that's their job to come in and do that. But a lot of the damage done by any incident can be at least minimized by thinking ahead. For an example, we had a customer that had put into their plan that in case of any type of weather-related incident that revolved around water, then all the people were told where these large heavy-gauge plastic bags were that they could put their rec- computer equipment and other electronic equipment in these bags and tie them off. So the, the, hopefully the uh, the damage will be minimized, and it and it worked very well. It was very simple, but it was just again using your imagination to think ahead and say what could I do to solve that problem, uh, and think you know, if a fellow could save if, you, if you've got 15 employees and you could save 12 or 15 computer systems, uh, that's that's a pretty big plus for a smaller business. For sure, sure, and uh, lots of
1: times they're stock systems. Uh, are not really sitting on the desk, but they're sitting on the ground, and uh, a few inches of water will uh, take them out. Right. right. Um,
2: Absolutely.
1: Do you guys uh, offer uh, products for fire protection uh, for employees? For smoke?
2: We offer um, various types of uh, escape masks that can be worn during a fire, when evacuating a building during a fire. We also supply fire extinguishers and fire alarms.
1: hmm Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say those are the products that really would be, you know, there's other products that we supply, but they would be more towards uh, uh, people dealing with the fire itself, not trying to protect the actual employee.
1: Yeah, right. So thinking about the uh, smaller companies, uh, what are the the top safety concerns that employers at small businesses should be uh, cognizant of?
2: The first thing, what a small business needs to do, an owner needs to do, is, is really step back. And, and the way I describe it, kind of being dramatic, is step back and squint your eyes and try to look at your business like like it's not yours, like you haven't walked past that particular piece of equipment, you know, a thousand times in the last year. You haven't walked by that, that particular door, you know, 50 times in the last month look at things like you've never seen them before and where you've ever had a problem before those are the areas you should concentrate on first um i just give you a quick example staples has a product that's a slip-on product that goes over your shoe that's specifically made for slippery floors well again back to my example earlier about slips and falls very very uh there's a tremendous amount of occurrences of slips involved in restaurants, in the kitchens. The, the kitchens mm-hmm. always got water on the floor, soap on the floor. Well, there's a, you know, every, I probably couldn't tell you that a restaurant where somebody couldn't come up with an example where somebody fell. Well, there's a very simple slip-on that goes over your shoe for people that are going to work in the kitchen that helps stop those types of slips it's an extra traction that regardless of whether you're wearing sneakers or hard sole shoes these slip over and allow you uh, much greater traction so you don't slip so if you've had a problem in a particular area those are the problems you should deal with first and any any um, business owner or business manager is going to understand what those areas are so again it's 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 different for everyone
1: mm-hmm. uh other Particular issues that large employers uh, should be looking at different from smaller employers?
2: Uh, as we discussed, the, the, the basics are the same. Um, we just, you just have to make sure that you understand logistically how you want to – a big employer has to understand logistically how he's going to do that. Is he going to pass out the kits that he's designed to the individual? And make them responsible, or is he going to store them all together and make other people responsible to hand them out? For example, as they orderly orderly leave the offices or the building, um, those are the types of requirements that are much more difficult that a large business has to face that a smaller business business doesn't. Um, there is a requirement, and I mentioned it earlier, to have a plan. And any business under ten people is allowed to be able to communicate that plan verbally. If you're a business greater than ten people, then that plan has to be written and made available to employees.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a uh, a minimal list of uh, items that that you think a business, you know, a small business from uh, from two to twenty employees uh, should have in their uh, their safety locker, their emergency preparedness locker?
2: Oh, sure, sure. Um, it's it's easy, it's easy to make recommendations and give options. Um, what I would recommend that if somebody was really interested in, in, in hearing what these options, and I'll be more than happy to throw out a couple here, but if you reach, if you would reach out to your Staples representative, Uh, they could put you in touch with a real expert in your area that would be more than happy to talk to you about what the intricacies of these items are and what the options are. Uh, Flashlights, for example. There are many different types of flashlights. Personally, I like to keep people away from batteries because batteries go dead in an emergency situation. They're sitting around, um, Uh first of all, for maybe two years before you use them and then you turn them on and uh, you you don't turn them off. So batteries are tough. They run out and nobody carries around a box of batteries. So I always lean towards crank-powered flashlights where you don't have to have batteries. You simply crank the flashlight Crank it for a while. It works for 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour. When it starts to get dull, you crank it back up again. Same thing with uh, emergency radios. Rather than go with a battery-powered transistor, which is certainly not a bad choice, but a better choice might be a crank-powered situation. Uh, Water, the lighting, the communications, uh, warmth, especially if you're dealing in an area and geography where you're going to have cold winters, but whatever you put in your kit, you should put it in that kit and not have to think about it again. So your kit should be prepared um, with blankets, uh, Mylar blankets, all year round. So if you have an emergency in January, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you're know, you not saying, oh, well, it's getting to be fall. I better add these items to my kit." No, have the kits so they're good for 12 months a year.
1: Right, right. So lighting, so water, the, uh, food, the lighting. Light. I guess it's three or four years ago, must be four years ago, I bought crank-operated flashlights for uh, my cars. And, uh, you know, they tell you to crank it for 60 seconds every uh, month to uh, to keep the battery charged. Well, naturally, we didn't do that. So when we checked it uh, this spring, we discovered that the uh, rechargeable battery inside the thing was dead.
2: (laughs) That kind of defeats The whole purpose of what you were trying to do, that's a shame. Well, yeah, when you were turning the crank,
1: yes, the LED lights went on, but we stopped turning the crank since the, uh, uh, the disc battery was kaput, uh, the light immediately went out. I see. Uh, but, you know, since it wasn't so, an emergency.
2: Well, but at least you had, at least you had some lighting if you were able to put up with the crank. Yeah, you turned the crank and
1: that, th- th- that worked just fine, but, uh. Uh, the uh, the blankets are uh, are probably not that expensive, are they? Uh,
2: no, they're they're right around a dollar a piece.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's, that's cheap. Everyone should have those, in their they're in for of their
2: cars. Um,
1: uh, and
2: they they weigh they weigh less than three ounces, I believe. Right
1: weight won't won't
2: affect the gas mileage. No, it will not. It will not affect that. Um, you know, I, there's, there's, there's there's just so many products. Um, that you can move into. Uh, I know many, many businessmen, me being one of them, that travel a great deal. I carry an escape mask, uh, a very, very simple, lightweight, small escape mask in my briefcase at all times. You so simply get on an airplane and have an
1: escape mask. mask.
2: Uh, more like a hotel fire, something like that, where you're not familiar with where you're going. Um, you can simply, you can very simply put it on and uh, and, and be prepared. I know. Uh, there are corporations in the United States that we've worked with where we've supplied thousands of anti-flu kits for their employees that travel so they can carry them with them. So, uh, you know, they have everything from disposable gloves to disinfectant wipes in them. Uh, and they're small. I mean, these are not small, inexpensive tools, but they, they help move you ahead of the, of the masses if, indeed, you have these types of things.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. I was thinking like a flu shot, you know. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, so well, we're going yeah. to take, take a little bit commercial break here, and we're going to uh, listen to Sandler Rule number 15.
5: Hi, I'm Rich Isaac from Sandler Training, and I'm here to talk about Rule number 15, the best presentation you ever give is the one the prospect will never see. Now, let's start by talking about the fact that that rule should not be taken literally. Of course, there's an appropriate time to talk about your products, your services, your solutions, your prices. What happens is that most salespeople simply talk about it too soon. The prospective client will say things to them like, show me what you have, tell me what you can do. And the salesperson, eager to show their credibility and to show their product knowledge, will go into presentation mode. And there's two problems with that. Number one, it's too early to make a presentation because the salesperson isn't knowledgeable enough about the particular situation the prospective client is facing. And second of all, it comes off like a sales pitch. And if there's one thing that prospective clients can't stand, it's someone making a pitch at them trying to convince them. Is there a better way? A better way to show your knowledge and build credibility with a prospective client? Actually, there are two ways. First, is you can learn to ask better questions, more insightful questions. And second, you can learn to tell stories, meaningful stories that the prospective client will be able to relate to. Let me give you an example. Let's assume that I sell software to help companies run their warehouses more effectively. I might say, Sam is the Vice President of Operations. I'm wondering if you ever run into these issues. A lot of people tell me that they have a real balancing act between reducing their inventory expense and still being able to handle just-in-time delivery. It's really challenging for them. Others tell me that they have a difficult time getting their staff to follow the procedures in their warehouse as exactly and effectively as they could. Now, before I go on, I'm wondering if you can relate to either of those two things. Now, what did I just accomplish? Through simply telling a story and asking a simple question, I was able to show my credibility, show my knowledge, show my understanding of their business, In essence, I presented information in such a way that they got those things without me coming off like a salesperson making a pitch. Remember, if you want to really be the most credible professional salesperson, learn to tell better stories and ask better questions. Remember, if you get good at both of those things, the best presentation you ever give is the one the prospect will never see.
1: This is Michael Hunt and Bob Brisk uh, Back today, we're talking about uh, safety. Bob, um, I understand you need uh, a team of uh, 21 salespeople. That is correct. Good. And uh, how long have you lived with team?
2: Uh, well, the, this, this anywhere between three years and three months. We're, com- we're continuing to add to our team.
1: Good. So you qualify as an experienced manager and leader. Uh, perhaps you can give our listeners... Uh, maybe other sales managers like yourself,
2: leadership tip. Um, I have always thought that while you teach while you teach your sales team member what they need to know, you also can't teach them how to present it to the customer. I've always felt it was a big mistake to try and uh, ask somebody to be something they're not. Um, and by that, I mean uh, I think the mistake that a lot of salespeople make, especially new salespeople, is they go out on a call, they listen to their boss or they listen to their mentor or they listen to somebody else on their team, and they try to replicate uh, what that person said and how they said it. Uh, I've always been more interested in that they communicate the proper information um, in their own personality, we, and I stress to them that, look, we hired you because of your attributes, not because of your acting attributes. We want you to present this information uh, in, in the best way you can and, and as it comes out of your mouth and with your personality. So, um, you know, that was just a that's just a quick one that came to mind.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. We have a uh, theory of operation here at uh, Sam Training by Roth & Associates. Simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Perhaps, Bob, you could share with our listeners a complex problem that we stumbled into there at Staples, and the equally complex solution you used to solve it that other people might be able to use from a, a theory basis in their businesses.
2: One of the biggest problems that we run across all the time is the is the dramatic differences and the logistical requirements of our customers. Um, Staples is, you know, one of the largest and probably the most sophisticated distributor in the country. Um, and and we are a distributor of more than just far more than just the retail office products that people usually uh, associate us with. We have 35 warehouses around the country and well over a thousand delivery trucks. But each customer needs to have their their Service done in a way that meets them, and I think those are all very, very complex problems. We're dealing with a national, international financial corporation right now. That, uh, and, and staying with the emergency preparedness theme, that has emergency preparedness. Uh, let's call them lockers all over the country, and some of these lockers are such that they are large enough to serve 15 to 20,000 people. And other ones are small enough to serve 15 people. Uh, sure. They came up with the problem of needing to deal with, and something you touched on earlier, the uh, the shelf life of problems. Uh, I'm sorry, of products, and the problem sure. Sure. of having to uh, replace those products because they certainly don't have the uh, the personnel to do that. Well, that's a very complex problem when you're dealing with 53 to 5500 locations around the country. We developed. Uh, A solution for that problem uh, that where where we will not only track the the expiration dates of all the products we supply, but we set up a a manner in which we will replace them as required. So uh, I think to solve a complex problem with whether it's a complex or a simple solution, I think the biggest thing that a supplier like we, like Staples, is that we have to engage our flexibility, and I'm just thankful that we we were able to do it, and we do it every day. But flexibility is what allows us to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. So you came up with a special uh, restock program for 5,500 locations. That's uh, pretty special.
2: Well, and and, and you know what? It, if 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 another company came along tomorrow with also 5,500 locations the plan that we would have to offer them or devise for them undoubtedly would need to be different in some manner because no two mm-hmm. businesses are, are cookie cutters.
1: Sure. Our businesses in, in high-rise buildings are different than uh, many of the buildings here in the Midwest, where it's uh, one- or two-story construction uh, outside of the, uh, the core of the, the city, whether it's Cincinnati or Columbus. Um, uh, Bob, what motivates you to make uh Tough decisions in, in your business.
2: Um, the the need to see the light at the end of the tunnel or the goal that you're actually reaching towards. Um, as long as you keep that in mind, um, tough decisions are not only usually easier to come up with, but easier to make because you know where we're all going. Uh, and when I say when we all going, I mean our whole team. Uh, I also – it makes it easier to make a tough decision when everybody on your team understands those goals. Um, So the need or the result of a decision doesn't come as a surprise to anyone. Uh, I guess I should add that even if they're surprised, at least they understand the reasoning for it, and that makes the decisions a a great deal easier. Um, Easier, never completely easy to make a tough decision because – Somebody's always going to be upset with the results, uh, upset with the outcome. But if you keep, my view has always been, if you keep the end goal clearly defined and clearly in view for everybody, then it makes those types of things a little simpler. Good, good. I've got a
1: tough question for you now, Bob. Is it okay? A <laughs> I, tough hope so. question. I hope so. I hope so. In the last year, how many business books have you read? Three. Three. Okay. Uh, I ask that question to a lot of uh, salespeople and sales managers. Bob, can, can you guess what the answer is for most salespeople? The number of business books that they read in the last year? I cannot. Two or less. Two or less. When uh, a salesperson or a manager says that they, they read 12 business books in a year, generally I'm talking to a guy a or, or a lady who you, you have to call a winner. If they're not a winner in the current time frame, they will be a winner of the uh not too distant future. Uh, What I'm going to do for you after the show is over, Bob, I'm going to send you out two Sandler books to read. Uh, One to teach you a little bit about the Sandler summary system called the uh, 49 Sandler Rules that went to uh, the number one uh, position on Amazon.com when it was uh, first released a couple of years ago. And uh, the second book is uh, called Transforming Leaders, The Sandler Way. It's one of the uh, newest Sandler books and uh, it talks about uh, leadership process that we teach our clients here at Sandler. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show with us here today, Bob. Uh, Do you have any uh, last comments about safety that you'd like to remind our listeners about?
2: I do. I have have one, one thought that I'd like to leave everybody with that's listening. It's always far easier to prepare for an emergency than to have to explain why you didn't uh yeah, i always say that and i get a lot of head nodding and and go back six months later and find out that some people still haven't done anything but it's it's just if it, you can recall anything that anybody ever asked you after the fact and you didn't do it and they always go well why well it's the same thing with preparing for an emergency you have all the time in the world to prepare for an emergency until that emergency comes and you didn't prepare so your best bet is to do it now and then you don't have to worry about it so i appreciate the opportunity to speak with you uh Today it was it was, a, it was a great opportunity for me. I enjoyed speaking with you, and and thank you for those books. I'll certainly take advantage of them.
1: Good. I'm going to ask uh, Scott to close out the show.
0: And uh, Scott, would you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth and Associates Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission, and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at mike roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.